0: I can say, <clears throat> without a shadow of a doubt, that the most clarifying times in my life have happened when the necessity to pursue mission overwhelmed the problems and obstacles that stood in my way. Um, I go back to being raised literally on a, you know, on a tobacco farm. And, and it really cracks me up to people who say they they live on a farm these days. they mean they live on a land on some land, but I grew up on a farm and we actually farmed and and um and uh October you start getting to october and if we didn't have that flu cured tobacco in the barn uh then 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 no day was sacred and no activity was sacred uh you know in other words if if we were supposed to go, my parents played bluegrass music a lot, if they were supposed to go play somewhere, uh, the gig would be canceled. We had to get that because that was, uh, you know, that was how we were going to eat the whole year round. And so the mission clarified everything. I can, I can remember when I was getting on my parents' nerves, they thought it was a real good idea for me to be in school. Um, but when uh, the crop was up against the frost, they thought it would be a, Really great idea if I stayed home from school. Um, it's interesting to me. I, I pointed that out to them. They didn't, it didn't impress them. And then when I got in the service, um, you know, you talk about seeing it in these really plain and tangible ways. Um, you know, this, this, this didn't happen to me, but I, I've seen guys get wounded and uh ordinarily let's say you were putting in a fence at home and you you cut your leg you'd sit down and tend to it but because of the mission you 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 just say man i you know we're going to have to do that later <laughs> we're going to have to worry about that wound later we're going to have to worry about that when danger's ended and mission is accomplished and if to me for me coming from my mindset learning what i've learned on the farm and uh learning what i learned uh in the military, and then in a more fun way, learning what I've learned from sports, you know. Um, I was pitching on a Thursday night in a slow-pitch softball game, and I, 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 uh, I took a line drive, and just, you know, just for the sake of a mixed audience, I'm going to say it like this. I took a line drive to the section of my body that no man wants to take a line drive. It was terrible. All right, that Thursday night was the Thursday night before my wedding. Yeah, you, you understand. And uh, and uh, we were playing for first place. And my friends were saying, like, you should go to the doctor. I said, no, I should go up to bat. And uh, really, uh, sports don't matter. I don't know if y'all know that. But if you enjoy competition, I, I was more concerned to finish the game than I was Going to the doctor. I did wind up going to the doctor. Everything worked out okay. I'll introduce you to my daughters later. Um, here's my point. Whatever we're facing in our world today or last week or six months ago or six months from now, what I would urge the church to do is to freshly rediscover what the mission of the church is, what the mission of the disciples of Jesus is and let mission push you through the emotional obstacles of our day. Let mission drive you. Let what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, if you hear me saying, you know, grab grab the hoe and get to work, you're right. If you hear me saying, soldier up, you're right. If you hear me if you hear me saying compete beyond the wound, you're right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And in the midst of this fruitful disciple series we've been doing, we couldn't have gotten to a better place than this tonight. Our main passage is going to be from 2 Timothy chapter number 2. But I want to set the stage by reminding all of us, reminding myself, reminding you, what this series is all about. Being a fruitful disciple is, is, is about living as an abiding, active, purposeful saint. What do I mean? You're abiding in Jesus. We're literally doing his work. And we're doing stuff that matters. We're doing stuff that matters. And what that means is we want to make every day in all relationships about obeying the gospel and engaging people and pursuing the abundance of the gospel. And if there were ever a time that this really matters, that you get on mission, it's right now. As Andrew has been exhorting us, a lot of people are fretful. And, you know, the joke I made with our elder's meeting today that, If you're overreacting to people's overreaction, that, too, is an overreaction. If you're mocking people's overreaction, you're not ministering to their fears. And what we need to do is to care about people, and we need to push people to Jesus. And uh, so this falls at a good time for us to be reminded of these things. I think the key thing to remember and and to set the stage for What we're going to talk about tonight in short terms is to just always have in the front of your mind Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Just have it there. Uh, The Apostle Paul basically says, in response to how man has fallen and all God has done to save us, you know, that's the therefore in Romans 12, 1. The therefore references Romans 1 through Romans 11. In response to this, the only sensible thing to do is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Have you ever really stopped to think that Jesus, uh, excuse me, that the Apostle Paul is saying to us, in response to Jesus giving his life for you, give your life without discretion to God. Give him the blank permission to do anything he wants with you. Maybe we might say it in the words of Job. Job says, though he slay me, who knows the rest of that verse? Yet, Will I trust in him? Some translations render it, yet will I praise him. Praise means you you say something good about God for what he's done. So if you render it like that, even if God kills me, I'll say, great job, God. What? But the interesting thing is we're told to submit ourselves as living sacrifice. God, with every breath that I'm living today, my life is yours. Do with me as you will. So with those comments as our opening thoughts and with my exhortation for you as the people of God, for the disciples of Jesus to rediscover in a fresh way the mission you're supposed to be on, I think it is remedy number one for what's going on in all of our hearts. If in some of our hearts we're unsettled and uncertain, get on mission. If in some of our hearts we're arrogant and dismissive, get on mission. Whatever we're going through across that spectrum, get on mission. With that in mind, though, I want to reference through verse 7. I want to start out tonight with 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The Bible reads like this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also father as we open your word open our hearts give us God a fresh affection for you then God open our minds and set our minds on things above Lord we are no doubt troubled by many things in our world no doubt all of us are troubled about something we're no doubt troubled So, Father, we do not dismiss our emotions and our thoughts about the troubles we face. But at the same time, we set ultimacy against immediacy and we say, God, let eternity speak about my life today. Give us perspective, give us hope, give us yourself. In Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. All right, if you happen to be a guest, you'll be crazy enough for about 30 seconds to believe what I'm getting ready to say. The rest of you will just get a fresh laugh. I have five quick points tonight. When I think about what it means to have a life that's submitted to Jesus, when I think about what it means to every day, all day, get up and say, here I am, God, here I am, here I stand, you have seen fit to, to keep me alive over the course of the night, you have seen fit to wake me up. Praise Jesus. I'm I'm still mostly clothed in my right mind. Amen. Anybody here can testify to that? At least the same amount as I went to sleep with. Praise God. So God, uh, because I'm sane and conscious and because I'm awake and alive, it must mean my race is still being run here on earth. Amen. So God, how then do I respond with purpose in my life? Five quick things. Number one. Look at this, a fruitful disciple serves like Christ. Now, you know, when, when we talk about the grace that is in Christ Jesus, we're talking about the unmerited favor that's in Christ Jesus. Now, without surveying the whole scriptures, let me just say that the reason so much grace was poured upon Jesus is because A, he deserved it, and B, he won it. What do I mean? He deserved it because he was God, and he's worthy of our worship. Let the church say amen. But if you go and look at the book of Philippians, what the case that the apostle presents in the book of Philippians is that even in the flesh, Jesus glorified the Father, even to the point of pouring out his life on the cross, and because he was God, he always deserved worship, but in his flesh, He won the right to have the name that is above every name, the name of Lord. And what's interesting about Jesus is he he would say things like, you know, I'm only saying the things that the Father tells me to say. I'm only doing the things the Father tells me to do. In other words, to serve like Jesus means to be selfless, to be sacrificial, to be not self-centered and to have one's heart set on the will of the Father. <coughs> Excuse me, that was just a Corona cough. Don't worry about it. <coughs> I might have a six pack. Hold on. <coughs> just four. Be strengthened by the unmerited favor that is in Christ Jesus. Grace comes to us because he's God, and in Christ Jesus, we connect to God. Grace comes to us because he has won the right to be called Lord. Doesn't that make sense to anybody? So first thing, when a fruitful disciple doesn't develop their own agenda, somebody ought to say amen. Now I'm to make somebody mad. Y'all go ahead and put your seatbelt on. You won't even have to put a cord in your seat. It's going to vibrate. What the local church and what people do on a very constant basis is do whatever we want to do and hope that Jesus will stamp it. I could hold up lots of examples. The one that gets me is how hard people have worked for Relay for Life. Is Relay for Life evil? No. I would really like to find a cure for cancer. Amen. Everybody in this room knows somebody you love or people in this room have been affected by cancer. We got a person in our congregation we love dearly who's been battling cancer for years. Wouldn't we like to see cancer defeated? But why is it a condemnation is because he has said go and disciple the nations and we'll work at something we choose with all our hearts year-round and we'll barely work at what he's commanded. Am I making sense to anybody, church? And so when we look at the scriptures, and we're going to reference it in closing, the the next few verses that come after this, you know, we've been told multiple ways. The Great Commission is the clearest way. But we've been told over and over and over again that we're supposed to be about the business of making disciples. What did Jesus say himself? He says, "I, I didn't even come. I didn't even come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous. What did, he say? what did he say to people who were broken and hurt? And he said, come on to me, come on to me, come on to me. It's very difficult to get into the ministry to broken people. It's time-consuming, it's resource-consuming, it's emotion-consuming. But if we're going to be fruitful disciples, we've got to get about the business of Jesus. And don't just do our stuff up the rubber stamps at the end of our days. I hope you love how much I've worked on this thing that everybody really likes in my community. There's no crowns for that. As crowns, and I don't mean crayons, I mean crowns. Secondly, a fruitful disciple serves Christ. Now, what do I mean by that? I, I think it's important when we start thinking about serving like Christ, we also have to remember what it's like to serve Christ. I, 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 I read an article a long time ago and saved it. I have a folder on my uh, computer called uh, John Piper Folder. I read a lot of things by John Piper. I said, well, ooh, I'm going to use that at some point. And I'll save it and name it by the key thing that struck my heart. This, this, the, art, the name of the article was not this, but I named it in my, in my, in my folder, uh, Serving God. This is what Piper says. He quotes Joshua 24, 15, and he asks this question. This is directly direct quote from an article by uh, John Piper. He says, uh, what does that mean, though? I want, you to, I want to say this very slow, and I want you to sit in it for a second. It means to do what he says in a way that makes him look supremely valuable in himself. The Timbo's way, I would say that, is we don't serve God because he's a vending machine. We serve him because he's what? He's worthy. He's worthy. And you could dig in that all day long. And it also means we submit to him in a way that makes him look thrilling. I don't really, I didn't really get this until God showed me how often I did things for my dad with gritted teeth. And if somebody would have said, isn't it great to work at home with your dad? Yeah, just great. I would have started to demean his character. He's overbearing. He's violent. I didn't enjoy working with my dad. So when I saw that illustration, I go, wow, do I ever do that to God? The answer is yes. I, I would love to go over there and do this, but i got to go work at the warehouse. i got to go down to the schoolhouse. I, I, I don't present it as thrilling to serve the Lord. I, I, I put it up as something I only have to endure. So, so a fruitful disciple says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me tell you all this. He is worthy of me missing every sporting event, every concert. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy of me being uncomfortable. Hallelujah. And not only is he worthy of it, but I'm glad of it. Even at the most difficult moment of his earthly ministry, we know you guys know what Jesus said. He goes, "Well, Dad, my paraphrase, my liberal paraphrase. Well, Dad, this is really rotten. I'm looking ahead to cross, and uh, it, it really stinks. And uh, if you got another way we could accomplish the salvation of mankind, I sure wish you'd show up with that plan right now. But not as I want, Father, as you will. At his worst moment, we still find his surrender becoming. You ever thought about that? So I think Piper's on to something, and he he says later on in the article, which I quote here, there are ways to submit to God that only make him look threatening, not thrilling. There are ways to do what he says that only call attention to the fact that he is an authority, not a treasure. So when I, when I say that a fruitful disciple, part of this is living in this abiding, purposeful life. Man, we want to obey God because he's worth it. We want to obey God because this is the pathway to joy. This is the pathway to joy. What I tell you guys all the time, what is the pathway to greatness? Humble service. And humble service is the pathway to joy. The problem is the enemy has broken into the jewel shop and made us think costume jewelry is the real thing and made us think the real thing is costume jewelry. It's a side note on this, though. A a fruitful disciple also serves for Christ. Now, what do I mean? Let me say this quickly in a couple different ways. I love how Eugene Peterson chose to paraphrase Galatians chapter number two, verse 20. And I'll just point out that, uh, that, that middle part. He says, my ego is no longer central. I like that. I like the way he says that. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He starts to see that it's not that he's standing in Christ's place, but that Christ is standing in him. And so he starts to see like, man, I can show up and because Jesus is in me, I can live with the expectation that Jesus is going to do something through me. I I can start to see like my hands literally could be used in the work of God. My voice could be used in the work of God. My feet could be beautiful on the mountaintop and could carry the good news. Jesus is in me, and he's got things he wants to do. Somebody say amen. That's why why Jesus knew he would multiply his presence. When he says, hey, it's good for y'all that I go. It'd be real good for y'all that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to send a helper. Jesus knew he was going to multiply his presence through his church. Another element of this is think about the Great Commission in this life, in this light, excuse me. What does Jesus say he has? He says in the Great Commission that he has authority. What does he say he does with that authority? He sins. He sends people on mission. I'll never forget. I'll never forget it as, as, as long as I live. I've always had a soft spot for people who, especially people who have lived their whole life with, with, uh, with some sort of handicap, um, whether it was physical or, or, or mental challenge or both. I've always had a soft spot. Uh, I think the second time I went to Ukraine, um, we had gone to this village we had never been to before. It was the first time. Uh, what was weird, we had been working in this village called Torchinovichy, and the next village down was Torha. Chinovichi. i just kept calling them Chinovichis because he was right all the time and uh we were preparing a soccer field i don't know if you've ever been to a third world country but in most third world countries they throw garbage everywhere so we were preparing preparing a soccer field for youth outreach by cleaning it up cutting the grass and and we'd gone door to door and invited people to come to this thing and and we were going to share the gospel and and we had went to this one guy, and he was very angry and very bitter, and it was this animated discussion going on between him and our, our translator. And, and uh, we walk away. He says, he's got this handicapped son. And I wasn't sure what that was supposed to mean. And I knew I was missing something that was understood in the culture. And, and I found, you know, I've, nobody wants to look dumb in those situations. I was like, okay, so what? He can bring him. I mean, it's cool. And he explains, like, you don't understand, in this culture, most people don't keep their handicapped children at home. They send them off to sanatoriums. And I said, oh, man. Okay, it's, it's cultural. Don't, don't, don't feel too bad about it. I mean, don't judge them is what I'm saying. So I said, hold on, let's just stop and go back up here. Let's just stop. I want to go back up here. I went back up there, and I wanted the guy to hear me say, you know. And so I'm saying like this, it's okay if you bring your son. This is what I look like. You guys are both welcome. We'll all have a good time. And this is my translator. La, <laughs> va I'm like, say it like I said it, you know. It's okay. Zaba 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 zaba. <laughs> well, we go down and we're cleaning up the field, right? And um, the guy comes down. We we see him coming down his pathway, and we're watching him. And he's got. And I'm not trying to be funny, but he had a he had a wheelchair that had to, you know, like been a hundred years old, and he wasn't in great repair and all, you know. And we're just watching him, and and he comes down by us, and and I speak to him, of course, and. He's just really frustrated. And I I asked my translator, I said, what's he so mad about? Well, he's suddenly got to go somewhere, and he doesn't have anybody to care for his son, and he's got to take him with him, and it's just going to be very difficult. He's got to go down here and catch a a bus and go to this town. And so, you know, this is the whole long story of it. I'm trying to make it short. And I said, tell him to leave him with us. And he was blown away. He's like, really? Because if I do that, I can be back really fast. like, yeah, we'll hang out, we'll be good. So he leaves. Long story short, we forgot to ask about, he had a bag on his back, and it had the son's personal care items in it. And it became abundantly clear before long that he needed them. This is a true story. And so it was uh, three grown men, two Americans, one Ukrainian, and a teenager. He's uh, he's like 17 years old. And we all know what we got to do. And I'm not trying to be funny. It was just funny. We're all sitting around him going, you know, who's going to do this? Who's going to do this? And I said, we, we don't have anything to do it with. And the teenager suddenly says, I'll run all the way back to the other village and get our things. He just wanted to leave, you know. <laughs> I volunteered to run a small marathon to help out. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're sitting around, and the other American guy, he goes, man, 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 I, I, I can't. He, he don't stutter, but he started stuttering. He's like, ah. And then the Ukrainian guy goes, I don't do this. <laughs> it's true. So. And I say, you know, man, man, I'm telling y'all, it was terrible. But I did it. I did it, I did it, you know. And it was terrible, you know. Because, you know, like with a little kid, you can just stick your fingers between their ankles and do like this. And y- y'all change kids, right? You can just do it. This was a grown young person. All right, and so we went about our business, and uh, we we went and got some ice cream later on, and we gave him some ice cream. Turns out he loved ice cream, And, um, and his dad got back, and his dad notices right away his clothes are all changed, and he asked us about that, and we were then had that American concern like, are we getting ready to get sued? So all that sheepish look came right back. Of course, Ukrainian guy, I didn't do that, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm like, man, am I getting ready to go to jail in Ukraine? Really, because you just don't know. Is the guy going to be, he looks angry. And I finally say, yeah, he, you know, he, he, you know, he went to the restroom on himself, and we just had to come up with a plan. We just couldn't, and he, and he says something, and translates, oh, I took his bag. And the guy just falls straight to his knees and starts weeping. And it broke his heart, and it opened his heart. And later that week, he heard the gospel. After we had left, he received the gospel. We planted a church in Tortujanovici. He's a deacon there right now. Right? Why do I bring this up? Because a fruitful disciple understands that you might change an adult diaper and be the hands of Jesus in the process. But if we won't leave the lazy boy. Well, maybe we'll never get our hands dirty. Thirdly, a fruitful disciple cares about eternity. Do you know why it's so important to make disciples? Because heaven is real and so is hell. You know, and it's, it's, not, it's not enough for me to say I don't want people to go to hell. I don't want people to go to hell. Amen? I don't. But if I somehow, and, and Bug, man, you've been talking about this, right? If I somehow could have understood how good it was to walk with God younger in my life, I would have walked with God much younger. Amen? Me and Bug have been talking about, it. like, what the world was we waiting on? You know, we knew better. We didn't do better. We didn't walk with him. We didn't know him. And and so a fruitful disciple just says, man, look, I, I understand. I understand something. I understand that the message of life has been given to me, and I want to pass on the message of life to the lost, and I want to equip the saved to pass on the message of the lost. You guys know here at East Rock, we want to be disciple-making disciples, and we want to be a church-planting church. And that means we've got to get a concern about people's souls. We just have to. We just have to. I think I skipped one, didn't I? It's okay. I can go back. We also uh, we care about eternity, and we care about souls. We, we understand everybody has an eternity. That's all right. I'll just fast-forward myself. We understand that there is an eternity. Everybody has one. We understand that everybody has a soul, and we care about their souls. It is really easy in our culture to just do good works without, without doing the greatest work. Did you all know that? It's real, and, and am I saying don't do good works? If you hear that, you're crazy. But I'm telling you, don't forsake the greatest work because you're doing good work. So Paul says, "Pass on to faithful men." In other words, he's telling Pastor Timothy, "I have equipped you to equip others. Pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. Pass on the gospel to people who are able to pass on the gospel." You know what he just said in so many words: "Be a disciple, making disciple as part of a church planting church." But you got to have a, a thought of eternity. You can't just live for this life, and you got to understand everybody's got something after this life. Everybody has an eternity. you got to care about something besides the fact people are hungry. Care about the fact they're hungry. But understand this. A starving soul sends a man to hell, but a starving body just puts you in the ground. And last but not least, a fruitful disciple cares about people. Now, why do I bring that up? I don't bring it up last because it is last. I bring it up last because it is second. Let me say that again because I can see that confuse some of y'all. I don't bring it up last because it is last. I bring it up last because it is second. funny way to say it, isn't it, Catherine? All right, you think about this. You think about this. Can a well, physically well person go to hell? Can a totally incapacitated person go to heaven? Is it more tragic to go to 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 live on earth broken and to go to heaven and become whole, or to live on earth whole and live eternity and, and experience eternity as broken? Do you, do you see the difference there? So I'm saying, care about people. I hope you're looking at your bulletins. We're always up to something. We got a call this week about. Actually, at the end of last week, took a few days to process it. This week, about building a handicap ramp for somebody a few blocks that way. All right? We're going to do it. We're going to do it, right? Because we really are concerned that this wheelchair-bound individual will be able to get in and out of their house. We're concerned about that. All right? But wouldn't it be smart of us to use this opportunity to minister to this person to find out about their souls and to minister to their souls? Wouldn't it be smart of us to say, man, we do care about you as a person and the problems you're facing and the challenges you're struggling with. But wouldn't it be even righter to say, how are you with Jesus? So a fruitful disciple cares about people, yes. But the most important thing about a person is where they are with the Lord. Now, in closing, I want to, I want to frame my application challenges with a couple of passages. Turn in your Bibles or look on the screen at Ephesians chapter number 4. Just a few verses. And this is exactly how it reads. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, everybody play along. Everybody hold your arms out, just like this. Okay, everybody play along. Okay, now drop them down. Drop it down. Lift them up. What's that sort of make you think of? Four cliff. All right. You gotta start getting that attitude that every time I'm around some believers, my calling from God is to lift them up. Okay, you got that? All right. Keep reading. Verse 13. The building up of the body of Christ, how long? <clears throat> Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, Timbo's paraphrase, tell everybody just like Jesus. So that, now look at the awesome result that the apostle is putting forward. So that we may no longer be what, church? Because spiritual children, what happens to them? Read it with me. They are tossed to and fro By the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. A mature believer isn't carried away by all the foolishness around him. So what does he say? I've gifted the whole church. Everybody, get your forklift out. I've gifted the whole church. We don't. we, We don't have every gift, but the whole body has all the gifts. And what is God using all of our gifts for? What's he doing? And how, how long are we supposed to do this? Till when? Till we're just like Jesus. Till we're just like Jesus. One of the most Christ-like persons i ever known was Phil Barnes. Phil Barnes went to the grave. One of the most Christ-like human beings I've ever met. But he was so not like Christ. And if he was standing right here, he'd be nodding his head. Do you see that church? Our gathering isn't just coming and saying, I wonder how many songs they're going to sing. Who's going to give a testimony today? What time will we get out? No, man, we've all come with work to do, to build one another up. That's what a fruitful disciple does. He's about the father's business. She's about the father's business. But even though I won't take time to get on it, don't whack your neighbor. Some go high, some go low. Everybody do this. Okay? So you know what we do, don't you? You know what we do? We point them to the cross. So what do you do in making disciples? What do you do? You edify the believer and you evangelize the lost. Do it again. You edify the believer and evangelize the lost. That's the work of East Rock Community Church. That's the work of Christian households. That's the work of Christian men and women. That's the work of Christian boys and girls. Whatever else we might be doing, and even though we're wounded, and even though it's hard, this is our mission. And if you want some clarifying thoughts in a very confusing time, get to work on what God has called you to do. Somebody should have said amen right there. Forklifting lifting cross bearers. So, um, I told you two passages. I'm not faking you out when I said in closing. That's just a long closing. Uh, Kelly doesn't feel well tonight. She's always proud of me when I have real long intros. I got a real long closing tonight, Kelly. This is for you. We go back to Second Timothy. And I want to close in these thoughts. I want you to remember my opening illustration. I talked about what I'd learned about mission And growing up on a farm, and being a soldier, and then playing ball. Look at how that passage in 2 Timothy continues. He says, sharing suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I don't know who in the world ever told America that being a Christian is supposed to be about ease. But they didn't read the Bible. Right? He's like, oh yeah, you're a soldier of Jesus. This is going to hurt. Verse four: No soldier gets entangled in what church? One of the most convicting verses you might read, because a lot of us are con- are entangled in in civilian pursuits. Yeah, when I when I when I was when I was younger, I, I was one of them guys who would always dive after the ball, or I'd I'd do something crazy. I'd be the first one to jump off of a bridge into the lake or the river or something, and. Now these days, I, I am trying not to even bump my shin. I done got old, man. Well, the other day, yesterday at the schoolhouse, I got my feet caught in some in some wire. I got my feet caught in some wire, and I fell all the way down the long hallway. I mean, it, you know, I, I'm not even gonna try to reenact it because I'll fall through the piano. But well, you know, I'm like, huh. Uh, 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 And, you know, I was about halfway down the hallway. If I said, if I can just make it outside to the grass, I'll fall. (laughs) And I I caught myself on the door frame, you know, started praying in Latin. It was awesome. I I didn't have tongues, so I just spoke my own. And I said, Lord, I already had plenty of illustrations about getting tangled up. I didn't need one, but here it is the day before I'm going to preach. You know what you don't understand about getting entangled in civilian affairs is they take you away from what the mission you're supposed to be on. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all. You ought to vote. You ought to be concerned about civil issues, but it's not your prime mission in life. Somebody say amen. It's cool if you like basketball, but pff, you don't have any right now. <laughs> it's, it's fun if you like basketball, but it's, it's just not supposed to be your chief thing. It's great if you have a hobby. But if the hobby gets in the way of you doing your business, you're tripping down a long hallway headed for a hard fall. And we ain't fit for that fall. I'm making sense, church. So some of us got to let go of some stuff. I mean, don't worry if you don't. It will be snatched away from you in time. You're going to lose it either way. You know, when God judges our works, some of it's going to be made of wood, hay, and stubble. Do you know that? it just sort of cracks me up that somebody's going to arrive in heaven and it's like God's going to be like, hey, uh, so what do you got to show for your life? I have this collection of Air Jordan sneakers. You know, <laughs> or in my case, look at all the baseball cards, God. Aren't you proud of me? My yard was the best around. My yard is not the best around. Peyton Allett. (coughs) So a fruitful disciple is about the father's business is basically what I'm saying. And Some of us are tangled up. Secondly, as we close, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Some of us aren't even in the game, and we don't know the rules. Anybody here play spades? I'm not going to embarrass you. I love spades. I'm the best in the world. I'm, I am the best. That's right, Care. One of the most unnerving things to me is when you go to play spades and someone tells you this, the card count is Joker, Joker, Deuce. Yeah, I, I brand them heretics and flip the table over in disgust. I say, number one, if you play in that way, you're not even in the game because you don't know the rules. A lot, of us, a lot of us aren't competing well because, A, we're not in the game, and, B, we're trying to play by some made-up rules. I'll serve you, God, when it's convenient. And, yeah, when it, when it already is what I want to do. Like I could see myself witnessing to people at the Super Bowl, you know. <laughs> and it's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. That's what he says. In other words, he's clearly revealing who is going to have the greater reward, the one that is has put in the right work. And I find this to be an incredible verse, and, and, and like last year at our, at our My Life Matters staff retreat, we spent the whole weekend, a long weekend, just in this, this passage, the whole weekend, and the last session we had was on this verse right here, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. He says, it's really incredible, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in what, church? So he says, okay, great. The grace of Jesus has brought you a lot of things. Now I want you to equip people to equip people. And I want you to, I want you to see that this is, this is a militaristic calling, so don't get caught up in anything else. This is a heavy-duty competition, and I want, you to, I want you to play by the rules and compete hard to win. And this is a season-in, season-out, fruit-bearing work that I want you to put your hands to. This is fraught with danger, with toil, and with sacrifice. And I want you to think it over really hard because when you get this, you'll understand everything else I said. So there's some questions for invitation or for consideration. First off, do you submit yourself to God? I like how the uh, Apostle James, he would say it like this. He'd say, don't tell me what you're going to do tomorrow and you're going to go over here and drive to Durham or Danville and do this or that. Say, Lord willing, I'm going to Durham tomorrow. Right? Like, don't, don't don't even get to thinking about tomorrow like you're in charge of it. I would say this. Don't get to thinking about today like you're in charge of it. And don't forget, this is not about knuckling down and obeying God. This is about treasuring him and enjoying him. Do you give time, talent, and treasure to making disciples? Do you give time, talent, and treasure to making disciples? Anybody here baseball lover? Anybody? Um, I, uh, I played a lot growing up, and I had this old guy tell me, Even in the wintertime, when there's no ball being played, I need to swing. I was a switch hitter. So I would get up every morning and take dry swings. No ball is being thrown. I'd take 250 left-handed swings, 250 right-handed swings. And right before I went to bed, I'd I'd do the same thing at night. I was was super dedicated. And I was a great hitter. I should have took more defensive practice, that's for sure. But I was a great hitter. And and it showed because, you know, I had really worked at it. Well, a lot of us are discipling our our children in all sorts of things, but we're not discipling them to be disciples of Jesus. And that is the highest calling of being a parent. I got got somebody really close to me. got four kids who are all hyper-successful in their careers. You know, one's a secret service or was a secret service agent and the other one's a, literally a rocket scientist. The other one's an a M.D. The other one's a college professor. None of them love Jesus. Their parents work night and day to put them in all the best colleges and all that stuff. But right now they're going to bust hell out of them. What does it profit a man, church? What? Lose his soul. That's wild, right? Are you entangled in civilian pursuits? Are you discipling anyone right now? Are you? Do you embrace being discipled? Here's the thing. As fruitful disciples, we want to make every day in all relationships about obeying the gospel. We want to make every day in all relationships about engaging people in the love of Jesus. We want to make every day in all relationships about pursuing the abundance that is in Christ Jesus. All the treasure of heaven is in Christ Jesus. Notice I said all the treasure of heaven. I didn't say all the treasure of the world. All the treasure of your greater reality is in Jesus. And God has already said my, my amen and my yes is wrapped up in Jesus. A fruitful disciple is about that life. Are you about that life? I think God is worth it. I think he's worth it. Do you? I mean, you know. Do I get it every moment all day? No, but I think he's worth it. And I want to know it more and more. How about you? Father, thank you for a chance to to share tonight. Lord, somehow in the midst of a very troubling time, turn our eyes upon Jesus. Comfort us. Cause us to set our minds on things above and to be people who live on mission. Many of our neighbors are confused and hurting. And it is very easy to give cliche answers. It is more important to share the love of Jesus. The truth of the scriptures. The hope that is found in Christ. So make us people who live on mission. And in so doing. In so doing. Use that to assuage our own fears and to give us purpose, even in the midst of uncertainty. In Jesus I pray, amen.